fans i am glenn naughton this is jet nation radio thank you so much for tuning in as usual tonight we will be uh we talking a little bit about team being at the halfway halfway mark we'll be talking a lot about it sitting at three and five another loss this time to the chicago bears on the road uh not not a game not a result that surprised anybody but a few things about the loss that were that were troubling, um, namely the pre-snap penalties, which were absolutely ridiculous. Um, some more uh, brain freezes from Todd Bowles. Um, but in the end, 24-10 loss. Jets lose on the road. Again, not a shock that they lost. You knew that going into this game, being without Quincy Noonan, without Robbie Anderson... It was it was going to be some tough sledding because let's face it, the Bears the Bears have some really good corners. You know they they have two or three guys who can cover really well. So when you've got three corners, three really good corners covering your third, fourth, fifth, sixth receivers, you're going to have a hard time scoring points, and especially with the absence of a running game, which the the running game was very much absent this week. So we'll talk about that. Um, trade deadlines come and gone. The Jets came up as having some interest here and there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnan, because we're hearing a lot about, you know, the, the, uh, the Todd Bowles needs to go, the, the calls for his head, for his job. That's all, you know, that, that, uh, that machine is on the roll again. Uh, and now it's, uh, does Mike McCagnan, how much how much slack does he deserve? If Todd Bowles if it's time for Todd Bowles to go, should Mike McCagnan be far behind? Uh we'll talk about studs and duds at the halfway point. Talk a little bit about just a couple quick note on Terrell Pryor and we'll we'll preview the Dolphins game. Just play the Finns. Uh things didn't go so well the first time around. We'll see how they go second time around. And we're also we're gonna have on uh Frank Brank, who is a, uh, he's with our new sponsor, Jet Nation Radio's new sponsor. And if you've been listening, we've talked about them the last couple weeks. And they are linebacker, thelinebacker.com. Football season is back, and that for a lot of guys means that the start of their their yearly donation season to the local sports book. But it doesn't have to be that way. Linebacker produces winning sports predictions based off thousands of game simulations. Easy-to-use, customized betting profile tells you which team to back and how much to bet. Our listeners can get 25% off or a 25% discount on their first linebacker purchase when they use the promo code JETNATION, J-E-T-N-A-T-I-O-N, JETNATION at thelinebacker.com. Sign up today for a free trial and get some winning picks to make a lot more money. 
So check them out. And we're going to talk to them a little bit later on, get a little bit more in depth. Like I said, they're a newer sponsor. So it'll be nice to kind of get them on the air and, and talk about uh, what exactly their site provides and why you should be signing up. So they'll be calling, they'll be calling in in a little bit, but um, so yeah, um, right off the bat, you know, nothing, nothing happened with the Jets today in terms of trade. So we'll get it out of the way. Uh, there was some reported interest, not surprising at all, uh, reported interest in Dante Fowler, Jaguars outside linebacker who would obviously fill a huge need for the Jets, getting them an edge rusher. And even even though Dante Fowler, the guy's got two sacks this year, and I brought that up to someone recently when they said, you know, is this a guy the Jets should be pursuing? And, you know, he's got all the potential in the world, top ten pick, fifth pick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I thought, he's got two sacks. You want to give up a third, second, fifth, fourth, whatever the price tag was going to be? Turns out it was a three and a five. He went to the Rams. But there were reports that the Jets were interested, and they were involved. And one thing I didn't realize till uh, till earlier today, or was actually yesterday, when when you kind of had to figure that Dante Fowler's name would be floated a little bit, went and looked at his numbers. His actually his snap count is crazy low this year. Um, you project him if if he was a, a starter, if he if he was putting up starter or or getting starter reps right now, he'd probably have. You know, he'd probably be sitting on about four or five sacks um, and on pace for a 10-sack season. He, he, he could be that good. But as it turns out, he goes to the Rams, who, by the way, must be – I mean, they got to be – if they're not the Super Bowl favorite at this point, they they got to be top two or three because they are 8-0, and they have an insane defensive front, and they just added Dante Fowler to that front. And Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler. I mean, psh, I mean and, and they can score. They can put, and how ridiculous is that, by the way? Not that I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about another team, but Los Angeles, they get the Rams. Nobody gives a damn. Nobody in LA cares. Nobody's watching the Rams. They don't. I, I bet eighty percent of people in LA don't even know the Rams are back. And now here they are knocking on the door of a, a Super Bowl. Jets fans sitting over here in New York and. We got to put up with Giants fans every year, sharing a stadium. You know the the the, the numbers, and I, and I pointed this out earlier this week. The numbers in terms of fan turnout, not as nice as you'd like to see. Too much, uh, too many opposing jerseys for my liking in the stands when I'm watching. And don't you, Glenn? Why do you go to the games? I live in England. The commutes, the commutes a bit much. Um, but I had my season tickets when I was over there. And uh, yeah, if 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 the Rams got a Super Bowl win after you know two three years being back in in L.A. in front of a bunch bunch of fans who don't care, man, tell you what, that that uh, that'd be a bitter pill to swallow right there. But anyway, that's the Rams. The Jets got to worry about the Jets, and uh, if the Jets want to be the ones winning the Super Bowl, and they got to make the right moves. Right now, are they making the right moves? Do they have the right personnel in place? No, of course not this year. They don't win anything this year. But uh, we're going to look at the roster. Um, Some bright spots, some low spots. And we're going to talk about... Well, let's just cover this game real quick. All right. 
ugly game. Tons of pre-snap penalties. I think seven, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say pre-snap penalties in each on each of the first three drives. Sam Darnold, first and 15, second and 13, third and 12. Because the Jets, they're getting pre-snap penalties. And then they're running Isaiah Royal right into the middle of that line to get stuffed and stuffed again. And it was it was maddening. Absolutely crazy. I understand sticking to the run. I get it. But man, second and long, third and long, run, run, run. It was uh the offense was doing nothing. It was it was maddening. And that's why the Jets only scored ten points. I mean, of course, as I mentioned earlier, the personnel, the injuries, of course, that didn't help. But this one was scoreless until it was about five thirty five left in the in the uh, first quarter. And this was a play, it was one of those plays where the second it began to unfold, I mean, 1.3 seconds into the play, I'm sitting here watching on my TV and I go, I just say to, my, I just say to myself in my head, if this is a screen pass, they're in trouble. Because there, was, there looked to be a heavy blitz from the backside. It was Jamal Adams at the very least. And there was someone else crowding the line. I was uh, I read my game the other day. I forgot to make note of who was who was crowding the line on the top of the screen, but you just knew that if the Bears got that ball out to the left with a couple blockers, they were going to have the numbers because the Jets were blitzing from the opposite side. And it was just, to me, I, I tweeted it out right after the play. I said, just perfect play call. Sometimes you dial up a play call, and it works out. You know, it works out like that. A screen pass that, that Tariq Cohen takes 70 yards for a touchdown. Um, Avery Williamson was man enough after the game to, to acknowledge that it was his mistake, that he was supposed to be covering Cohen on that play. He got caught up in a little bit of traffic and uh, wasn't able to get out and get into the flat and cover him. So it was going to but either way, even if Williamson gets out there, that's a tough matchup for him. Cohen can motor. And uh, Williamson has been spotty in coverage, so it's probably you know it's probably not a seven-yard touchdown if he's if he's out there, even if you can get him to have to change his route to the end zone and give some other guys time to catch up. Maybe they make a play, but bottom line, the play call was perfect. The offensive play call was perfect for what the Jets brought, and the, the Bears went up seven nothing. The Jets kick a field goal with forty uh, with. Uh, 12 minutes to go as a 42-yard field goal in the second quarter, Jason Myers. Then later in the game, Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, I said before the game that I'd seen, you know, Mitch Trubisky. And I didn't I didn't come away feeling a whole lot differently than that. Yes, they won the game. The Bears won. But 16 out of 29, a lot of short stuff, um, 220 yards. I mean, he was efficient. But he didn't look to me like a guy that, man, this is a guy you can definitely build around for years to come. I mean, he might become that. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying right now, today, I feel like he's a guy who's, you know, he's a guy that basically it allowed the Jets to stay in the game. The fact that uh, the Bears' offense wasn't able to run away with it. So they go 14-3 in the third. Cody Parkey then nails a 32-yard field goal early in the fourth quarter. And the Jets get their... Only touchdown of the day with 11-16 to go on Sam Darnold's third touchdown pass in three games to uh, Christopher Herndon. And that was nice to see. 
I mean, that that's a big thing right now is that this team hasn't had a tight end forever. And I said it last week. Um, it's safe to say Herndon is a better player than what the Jets had last year in Austin Safarian Jenkins. And let's face it, the play the previous week, if his foot doesn't go out of bounds on the one-inch line, he's got four touchdowns in three weeks. So the Jets finally have a, a legitimate tight end. Um, but but this is what killed the Jets. It, it, it's stuff like this. Stuff like this is why people are calling for Todd Bowles' head. Because you you got the Bears at 17-3. You've played a, a nice game on defense all day for the most part. No pressure again, but no surprise there. But you come out, you get, you get a touchdown drive, you're within a touchdown, 11 minutes to go, all the time in the world. You start thinking, hey, look, maybe you get the ball back here. Maybe the offense is about to get in a little bit of rhythm. Got a chance to tie this up down by a touchdown. And, of course, as luck would have it, all the Bears do is on the ensuing possession. They take the ball 79 yards on nine plays for a touchdown. And you're just, you're just kind of sitting there thinking, you know, the, the Todd Bowles is here because he's a defensive guy. Defensive genius. And tip of the cap again, second week in a row, Darrell Roberts. He had himself a really nice game. Pass defended. Didn't really get beat. And uh, just a just a heck of a game for him. That's two games in a row. That's something worthwhile. You know, normally two games isn't, isn't a whole lot to get excited about. But I'll tell you what. The fact that he's a veteran who's never been a starter. Um, and he's played as well. I mean, he's played really well. He hasn't... He hasn't come in and just kind of held his own. He has come in and played really, really well. So I'm looking at him and thinking, is this a guy who's turned the corner? Is this a veteran who's, you know, every now and then you see these vets that spend their first few years of their career on the bench playing, you know, sparingly getting playing time, a start here and there. You know, some days they look okay. Other days they you look at them and say, well, this is why this guy's not a starter. But, man, Darrell Roberts has played at a very high level the last two weeks. So that's extremely encouraging to see. Because, I mean, the Jets, they, you know, to have somebody step up in a crucial spot like that, that's huge. That's really huge. So, anyway, that's something we'll talk about later on. But in terms of the game itself, 24-10, the, the big storylines after the game, and rightfully so, is that Todd Bowles, once again, trailing by multiple touchdowns late in the game, once again, waves the white flag and punts the ball away once again. And I know there are people who are saying the Jets were down two touchdowns. If you don't convert on third and 12, the Bears get the ball back. They're already in field goal range. They kick the ball or they kick the field goal. They're going to be up 17, and there's no what you know. Two scores you might get, three you're not getting. You're not getting three scores in five minutes. There is some validity to that, but my issue with that is that the, the last number I heard, and it's probably pretty much across the board, year to year, you're not going to see much, you know, uh, variation from this. But right now, the NFL onside kick rate is 2%. 2%. 
Now, if you draw up a play there for Sam Darnold on third and 12, even if you only have a 25% chance of him completing a 12-yard pass or 13, whatever it was, it, the odds of, of converting a first down And it's the fact that it's it's become a trend. You know, I've I've seen people say, "Why do people want Todd Bowles fired after losing a game that everyone expected them to lose?" I said at the top, I expected everyone expected them to lose. But it's not about this one game. It's about the fact that this is year four, and we keep seeing a lot of the same stuff. Some people put the penalties on Todd Bowles. I don't. I've talked about that in the past. To me, it's on the players. These guys are adults. I don't care if you're a rookie. I don't like when I hear, oh, this guy made a rookie mistake. Jumped off sides, rookie mistake. Even if you're a rookie, especially even with the pre-snap stuff on the D-line or, you know, on the O-line. If you're you're in the box, you're in the trenches, you don't move until the ball moves. You were taught that at, you know, probably in peewee football. Okay? So all this talk about how it's on Todd Bowles, the guys can't stay on sides, the guys can't stop getting these false starts, that's not Todd Bowles' fault. Now, he can start doing some things. I mean, do you get there's a part of me that, yeah, I'd love to see him say, you know what, and tell those guys before the game. Anybody who jumps, as soon as you jump, you're pulled. Somebody else is taking your spot. Oh, that's too extreme. You, you got to do something. Because whatever he's doing now isn't working. So, while it is on the players that they're jumping, I think Todd Bowles can do some things to make it a make it a bigger priority in their minds. Make it more important to them that they stay on sides. That they don't jump before the ball snap. We're going to go to the phones real quick. We have a caller calling in. At a uh, 201 area code, caller, uh, what's your name? What do you got for us? Glenn, how you doing? It's Alex. Alex, how we doing today, buddy? Doing well. Uh, I've enjoyed the discussions that we had the other day on Twitter, and uh, thankfully we won't be uh, limited by characters tonight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, uh, Twitter's a good time, you know, with stuff like that, but it really, it, this is definitely a much better forum. So uh, so, so we, we disagreed, um, for, for those of us who didn't see it, Alex. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you seem to be against the idea of replacing Todd Bowles because of the fact that, you know, going into the unknown um, and having to start over. Um, is that correct? Yes. Um, you know, I feel at this point we're, you know, obviously we're at the midway point of the season and there's, you know, a lot of young players that are still developing and learning. And I understand that, you know, this is a, an emotional sport. It's a passionate sport. We're all, diehard fans and we want to see, you know, our team win every Sunday and, you know, but, you know, when you look at this roster, we're still not a complete team and there's a lot of work to still be done. And I guess my, my whole focus on that conversation is more towards Sam Darnold and his development and, you know, doing right by him and pulling the plug and having to start something new mid season would seem just a little chaotic for me. 
Um, and, you know, knowing the Jets, the way that they've handled things, usually they see the season through before they make any of those decisions. So I guess, you know, just like most fans, a little too reaction, you know, or emotional reactions were being thrown out on Twitter. And, you know, sometimes we say, let's not go down the rabbit hole, but there we are going back and forth, <laughs> tweeting with, uh, you know, random people. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I guess I should have been clearer. Um, I, I'm not saying I would be a hundred percent against Todd Bowles being let go right now, but I don't, I don't think that has to happen. I, I'm not in a big rush to see him go now. I understand that they're, uh, Starting over midseason would be rough. I, and, and people have said this, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the air. I've written, I wrote an article. Actually, I wrote an article on it when the Jets were searching for a head coach um, and said somebody they should – or sorry, when they were searching for an offensive coordinator. Um, but same guy. Um, and I don't know if people realize, but Carl Durrell, their wide receivers coach, um, to me he would be the number one guy to replace Todd Bowles if they were to fire him in season. Um, reason being Carl Durrell coached UCLA, was their head coach for five seasons. He has been a quarterback's coach in the NFL. He has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So he's worked, and you know, of course, now the wide receivers coach. So he's held multiple offensive positions in the NFL, as well as being a head coach at a major program. So he would be the guy to replace Bowles in my mind. But I agree. I don't think you need to do it mid-season. Um, but I also don't. I think once the season is over, I mean, unless something miraculous happens, I, I heard. I heard someone calling in. I, I want to say it was a. Uh, ESPN radio the other day and they, you know, they were kind of going back and forth with a caller and said, well, you, you know, you want to fire Todd Bowles. What if he wins eight in a row? I mean, come on. The guy, when was the last time he won three in a row? You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. We've seen the same. And, and that's the other thing. I see people say, well, if Bowles has to go, Bates has to go. Look, I'm not, I'm not completely against firing Jeremy Bates and he will be gone if Todd Bowles goes. But at the same time, you're comparing a guy who's in, his first season as a coordinator, I mean, yes, he did it, what, five, six years ago in Seattle. So even if you want to include that, he's, he's in year two as an NFL coordinator. Todd Bowles is in year four. We're seeing a lot of the same mistakes. Um, the, 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 again, the punting when, when you need multiple scores with a couple minutes to go. And the, the lack of urgency, that was another issue with me. You go back and watch that game when they, you know, before they punted, they, they were huddling up. I mean, you need, you mm-hmm. need multiple scores yeah. in a short time period. Why are you wasting a minute and a half, two minutes huddling up? I don't get that. So a lot of errors. I don't. The thing with Todd Bowles is that you know, no, he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not the worst coach in the NFL. But and the thing, and this is what I always ask with any coach because people talk about rings and win loss, and I get that. that. Those things matter. But to me, it's about are you getting the most out of your talent? And I don't feel like they are. I understand against the Bears, they had some receivers hurt. But when you were losing to teams like Miami and Cleveland, you had a full arsenal of weapons. Quincy Nunwell, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse. You still had Terrell Pryor on board. Herndon hadn't really emerged yet, but he was on the roster. They had guys that could make plays, and they weren't making plays. And I just feel like Todd Bowles has never – I mean, you could say in year one he got the most out of his talent, you know, with the 10 wins. But at the same time, the way that season ended left a really bad taste in my mouth, not just because it was a loss, but because you lost to a team that in the Buffalo Bills that literally had one receiver on their roster that was worth defending in, in uh, Sammy Watkins, and the guy had like 13 catches that day. You couldn't defend one guy um, in the passing game. 
You, you, you dropped the row Reeves 15 yards back playing off coverage and made no adjustments to put anybody in, in the passing lanes to, to stop Tyrod Taylor from hitting him all day. And at that time, it was frustrating when I said, you know what, rookie head coach, he'll learn. You know, these things happen. And we've seen it a few times since then. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know there have been times where I think to myself, man, it happened again. We played another team with one guy on offense, and we couldn't stop him. And we've seen it enough times. I think Todd Bowles is probably a really good guy. I have no doubt that I would put him in the same class as Eric Mangini in that I bet when the cameras are off, I bet he's funny as hell. I know I heard that, you know, from a few people about Mangini with the Jets, and I bet Todd Bowles is the same way. I'm sure he's a great guy, but we're seeing the same mistakes over and over again here in year four. If people want to give him the rest of the season to show that he can get better, I have no problem with that. But once, if they don't, if they're not significantly better, I think you have to move on. And I think that's what's going to happen because it's a copycat league. And I'm sure teams, the Jets are looking around the league and saying, you know, what did the Eagles do for Carson Wentz? What did the Rams do for, for Jared Goff? You know, two of the best young quarterbacks, two of the most successful young quarterbacks in the NFL. And both those teams surrounded them with offensive-minded coaching staffs. And it's done wonders for them. Um, of course, it didn't work out well in Tampa Bay with, with Jameis Winston, but it turns out he may just be a knucklehead. So, you know, nothing works 100% of the time. But uh, I think the blueprint right now that that the Jets are seeing and that other people are seeing is that you get yourself a young quarterback and you surround him with with offensive-minded people. And right now, Sam Darnold doesn't have that. I think he will um, after this season, barring, uh, you know, a miracle finish, which, I mean, let's face it, Alex. You know, whether whether or not you like Todd Bowles or whether or not you want him back, you look at the the rest of this schedule, I mean, how many wins are left on this schedule? Are they going to win more than five or six games? I, I just, I, I, you got Green Bay still. You know, I mean, you got New England twice. I mean, I would say that's a ninety percent chance those are three losses right there, unless, unless New England is coasting into the playoffs and they rest some starters week seventeen. But if New England tries week seventeen, that that's three more losses off the top of my head. Um, and you, you know, you're. you're you should beat Buffalo. If you lose any – someone tweeted it out earlier, and they're right. As much as I just said you don't fire Todd Bowles in season, if you lose to Nathan Peterman, and, and this goes for any coach, you, you, you got to go. Like that, oh, that's, that guy – That's 100% right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I say that as a person who, you know, admittedly was wrong. I liked Peterman coming out of college. I didn't like him as a first-rounder. But I thought, oh, I would grab this guy in the third or fourth round. I was Turns in the same, out, same thought pattern with Peter said. Pretty shocking. Yeah, he, he has been atrocious. Um, so, but if you can't lose to him. But, yeah, you got Buffalo twice, so that, that could be a couple wins. So that, that's five wins. I don't have the whole schedule in front of me right now, but I know you got Minnesota, and I know you got New England twice, um, and that's just that doesn't bode well. Uh, Miami, of course, this week. Now they're down a quarter. They're down to Osweiler. So maybe you find a way to beat Osweiler. You know, that, that's a possibility. <clears throat> so, yeah, there may be a few wins. And you have Texans the and the Titans as well. So That's right. Of course, the Titans. I'm supposed to be going to that game, and I forgot the Titans. Um, but, yeah, th- I mean, that's a winnable game because the Titans' offense has been atrocious. They've been, like, as bad as the Jets, basically, if not worse. I know they give up, like, 11 sacks or something crazy like that to the Ravens. So the Titans are a disaster right now. Uh, the Texans are The Texans are rolling. Well, they have some, some really good offensive firepower. So I would say the Texans game is a loss. The Titans game is a win. You should beat Buffalo twice. 
Um, you're going to lose to Green Bay. You're going to lose to the Patriots twice. So this, there, there isn't, there isn't going to be any late season five or four game or six game winning streak to save Todd Bowles' job, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's when they go to an offensive guy. I, you know, hope Todd Bowles does well. But uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe he goes five and eleven again, and they bring him back again. No, I don't. I don't. I'm guessing here. But I'm guessing that the objective, uh, the number one objective, is to develop Sam Darnold and surround him with some lots of people. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, you know, rightly so. If it's going to be, you know, evaluation process over the next two weeks when we go into the bye week, you know, if we end up losing to Miami in their house this Sunday and then we don't get a W against, you know, a team that just seems to be tripping on themselves in Buffalo and you, you fall to three and seven going into the bye week. Yeah. You know, we'll have probably have to address this conversation again, but you know what, what you really need to see is you have to see growth in the players. You have to see more fight. Uh, you know, we've clearly been in games within the first two quarters. And again, we're starting to struggle finishing out games. And, you know, that is a mix of not having, you know, proper talent in, in particular positions um, you know, not being able to execute game plan and then maybe not having the best game plan drawing up, which, you know, falls back onto the coaching side. So, there, you know, it's a little bit of a Molotov cocktail that kind of has created, uh, you know, some tough losses for, for the fan base to endure. But like you said, you know, when the evaluation process goes through, you know, are you still repeating those same mistakes that we've seen you know, uh, being aggressive at the wrong time and not taking, you know, points when you should, you know, get your points, go back and fight. Um, or, you know, this is the time where you need to be aggressive and make the determination, you know, if we're going to lose this game, you know, I don't want to give the ball back to them, bank on my defense that has been struggling in the, in the second half and get the ball back and try to make a miracle and an onside kick and all that stuff. You know, let, let's just go out and be aggressive. And, and if we're going to lose, we're going to lose the game right now. And some people like that style, you know, other people are, you know, let's play the chess match and let's punt, let's play defense, let's get it back and see what happens. So, you know, that's definitely difficult to wrap your head around, especially when, you know, you've got what, 30 seconds in that, on that fourth down call to make that decision. So yeah, Yeah. it's warranted though, with all the frustration that, you know, know, on top bowls. Yeah. I I think that, um, I don't think that, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I feel for the fact that, uh, you know, I don't doubt the effort is there and, and that, that this staff is trying to do the best thing for the team. But so far, it just it just hasn't worked out. So I think they're at a point where um, if they don't go on some miraculous run late in the year, then uh, Todd Bowles is going to be on his way out. Now, do you feel that, you know, I think you had mentioned that, you know, Mike McCagnan, since he's been doing better, um, with, you know, in free agency and with his contract language and he had a better draft, you know, in 2017 and 2018, you know, 2015 and 2016, we clearly know that there was a lot of whiffs on, in those first two drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I know you feel that he gets a, a pass too and come, he'll, you know, he'll come back next season. You know, I, I'm kind of on the fence on that one because you can say, you know, he's done great with these contracts. He's done really well with trades, um, you know, Henry Anderson and Jermaine curse, you know, the whole flipping for uh, with Sheldon Richardson, getting that second round mm-hmm. pick, which 
equated to Darnold. So, right. you know, there's a lot of good things that he's done. There's a lot of things that you can look at and say, mistake, mistake, mistake. But at the same time, um, you know, that's a tough question, and that's a tough evaluation. Um, it, you know, it, it, it is. Does and as, one as go you or said, does I, both go, you know? I, I think, honestly, if, if, I, if I had it my way, I would say Todd Bowles goes and Mike McCagnan, his his, uh, his draft classes, better do something big next year or he goes next year. The fact that he got you, Darnold, um, to me, gets him another year. The fact that, you know, like I said, the drafts have gotten better. Uh, you know, everybody everybody says give a draft class three years to evaluate it unless they don't like the GM, and then they want to evaluate it after week two. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, his second draft class, I brought this point up recently, it, it was looking like it was going to be a bust of a class, mainly because Darren Lee was playing so poorly and he was your first-round pick. Now Darren Lee all of a sudden is playing like a first-round pick. So now you look at it and go, oh, look, you got us, Darren Lee. You got us a starting, you got us a starting right tackle in Brandon Shell. You got us a starting linebacker in Jordan Jenkins. Um, you know, Lack Edwards, you know, uh, people don't like talking about that because he's a punter, but that, that's still a, a key element, being able to flip the field. So you got four essential players there, four good players in one class. That's not a bad class. Um, the thing that's hurting Mike McCagnan right now, though, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, I'm actually in the middle of writing a piece on it, is that he's running out of guys. You know, you, you can say, you know, when you draft five, six, seven guys, and it's year three, four, or even two, you can point to guys and go, well, these four or five guys haven't really played much yet. We haven't seen a lot of them. So we hope, I guess, basically, you can hold out hope. We haven't seen, so we don't know. Well, they're cutting a lot of guys. So when you're not on the roster, we know, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not on the team anymore, there is no jury that's out. You're gone. You were a bad pick. And he's got too many of those at the moment. But, again, getting Darnold, getting Herndon, getting Adams, Lee playing the way he's playing, um, you know, you got Shell, you got Jenkins, McGuire's going to be back. I think we'll get to see something out of him. I think we might be seeing more out of Leggett, if not for the fact Herndon was playing so well. Um, he's got enough guys doing, to me, just enough to say, okay, we'll give you one more season. But if next year's draft class and, and the, the class that goes into year three next year, if those guys don't knock your socks off, then I, I would have no, no problem even moving on from Mike McCagnin. But, Alex, thank you so much for calling in. I have to let you go. Uh, we have our sponsor on the line. We're going to do a quick chat with them about the linebacker.com. But uh, please feel free to call us again in the near future. Always a pleasure, Glenn. Have a good night. Thanks for having me All on. All right. Take care, man. All right, folks. So as I just mentioned, um, we're going to talk to our, our newest sponsor right now. As I said at the top of the show, Frank Brank from linebacker.com joins us live. And he's going to explain linebacker.com what – why you should check them out. Hi, Frank. Are you there? Hi. How's it going? Uh, it's going really well. Um, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for joining forces with us as as one of our sponsors. And I uh, just wanted to give you an opportunity to come on the air and uh, talk to us and talk to our listeners and, and let, let me and let them know exactly what it is linebacker.com does. Um, and just go in a little bit more detail than I do with, our, uh, with when I mentioned you guys at the top of the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so we're a sports prediction service, I guess you'd call us. Um, we don't like the word tout service too much because we're not selling picks necessarily or selling plays, but more selling our models. Um, so we were our data science team and, and me and um, some a few other folks are have been building models for the last couple of years. 
that simulate the outcomes of sporting events. Uh, and then we're able to make bet recommendations based on those uh, simulations, basically. And now, and now, how do you come up? I mean, I, I know you can't break the whole thing down now just on the air, but in, in terms of, uh, you know, advising people how much they should wager, how, what goes into that, that calculation, that, that estimate? Right. So we're, we're able to take in um, all the relevant statistics, say, in a given football game. Uh, what we think uh, Sam Darnold's pass yards or, or completion percentage might be against a certain defense, those types of things. Uh, and when I say what we think, what, we, what we've programmed the model to tell us, and then we're able to simulate out those, those uh, games per play, uh, per rush. We can see every single play that's happening in a game, and we do that tens of thousands of times to weed out any sort of variance from a game-to-game swing. And then we're able to say, okay, the Jets, you know, or whomever – beats the Patriots 40% of the time and by this amount of, uh, of points, the, you know, the Patriots may win by six on average. If the line is eight or nine, then we would suggest a play on that game. Wow. Just beating the Patriots 40% of the time. I wish they're sitting in yeah, about, uh... well, just throwing it out there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, it just sounded much better than what reality has to offer at this point, which is, uh, <laughs> sure. seems to be once every five or six years. So um yeah definitely an interesting service and so so just uh let us know how do people call or how do people log in get signed up uh what do they have to do Yeah so you go to the linebacker.com um and you can it's it's pretty self-explanatory there you can sign up um we have a few sub, uh coupon codes uh going right now actually for uh subscriptions Jet Nation folks can uh always use the the promo code Jet Nation in all caps no spaces um and get 50% off for a month, uh, for their first month. And we actually have a second coupon code going right now for Halloween, and it's BOO, B-O-O, for uh, the same deal, 50% off for uh, one month. So if you're, if you're keen on, on signing up and purchasing uh, a month, it's, you, know, you could sign up and then sign up again and get kind of two months for half price right now if you're quick to it uh, up until tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so you, you sign up on the site, it's typically $40 a month for, for a subscription, or you can buy a year for, for 300 total. Uh, so it works out to be somewhere around $17 a month. Uh, but if you use the subscription code and you just want to try it out for, for a month, it's, it's 20 bucks plus you get a free trial. So you'll, you'll get a five day free trial with your 30 day subscription. All right. Excellent. And listen, uh, the way the Jets are playing, if you're going to have a promo code BOO, you might be able to use it all season, not just in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so, uh, they're an interesting team, though. I, I, I'm not I'm not too down on them as probably the New York fan base uh, typically is. But. Yeah, I, for me personally, you know, I, I I bust chops, but in all reality, I, I like the direction the team is headed. I think a lot of fans do too. You know, we've been saying for years we need a quarterback. We finally got one, and uh, or at least we believe we have one. And he's 21 years old. So anybody who's jumping ship because he's not, you know, because he's not, you know, blowing the doors off uh, eight games into his career, is uh, a bit ridiculous. But um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking to us a little bit about the site. And uh, I'm gonna check it out later and give it a look and. uh, and maybe register because uh, being over here in the UK, it's uh, it's as easy as just walking down the road and and putting on putting on a bet. So I'll be seeing some of the tips you guys have to offer. Um, anything else you wanted to add before you go? 
Uh, no, just just use up those uh, coupon codes and, and save yourself some cash, and we'll win some money. We're, we're having a good season so far, so uh, it's just thelinebacker.com, and it, it's pretty straightforward. You just sign up, and you'll see the whole site, and you get your five-day free trial and, and 50% off. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, good luck uh, Good luck with thelinebacker.com, Frank, and hopefully uh, some uh, – ton of our listeners go join up today and like i said i'll be giving it a look myself okay thanks thanks for having me all right no problem take care all right so the linebacker.com i'll check them out like i said being in the uk all i got to do is walk down the street place a bet a little different now right new jersey just legalized sports gambling sports gambling is getting legalized all over uh different spots in the u.s which is uh which is good for people who can keep themselves under control <laughs> not so good for everyone not so good for the people uh, gambling away the uh, the kids' milk money. But anyway, we won't get into that. So, yeah, Alex, uh, one of our regular callers, and we, we've gone back and forth a little bit. And that's kind of, you know, I think he was under the impression I was suggesting Todd Bowles be fired in season. I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that has to happen. If it did, wouldn't be the worst thing. Carl Durrell, if, I'll tell you what, if they did fire Todd Bowles, and Carl Durrell wasn't the guy to replace him, I would be shocked. Um, I don't really know who else on the staff has the background to step in, and even if it's only for a few games. But but either way, he's still here. Todd Bowles is here. And, and I, I want to talk about Mike McCagden. And I, I, I touched on it briefly with Alex. And for those of you who, you know, see the stuff that I write on Jet Nation and what I say on this show, um, I'm a big Mike McCagden fan. Um, largely... You know, it it could be a case of, uh, you know, kind of the same reason I was such a, a big supporter of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, because much like the quarterback position, uh, general manager spot for the Jets for so many years has been so bad. Uh, you know, the, the, the wasted picks, the, the blown picks. And I know every team has them. I get that. But I just felt like when Mike McCagney came in, I was like, this guy, we got to give him some time. We can't have another two- or three-year guy or another four-year guy. And it, he, can't, he can't be another guy who blows first-round picks. I know that a key element of being successful in the NFL is being able to draft well in the later rounds. The problem with the Jets, outside of a couple drafts in the last 10, 15 years, is that they haven't drafted well in any round. So it was like bringing a guy who can bring some stability and just bring in a few quality players every year through the draft. Now, his first draft, we talked about, it was a bust. There's, there's no other way to look at it. He got Leonard Williams at six, and then a bunch of guys that are already out of the league. Um, Deion Simon, to me, the guy he got in the seventh, is probably good enough to be in the league. I, the last, last I saw, he was on the, I want to say the Packers practice squad, somewhere like something like that. So not uh, not saying he's a superstar, but I think he's a good enough player. The problem is in the modern-day NFL, if you're an average to slightly above-average interior run-stuffing D lineman, there's just not a lot of spots for you. You know, you got to be able to do more than just stuff the run. Um, and the Jets with Deion Simon, he was playing well. They went out and got Mike Pennell. And uh, then they just had no, re- no need for him. Uh, between uh, Steve McClendon and Mike Pennell, or Pinnell, those guys are playing well enough that it made Deion Simon expendable, and he's gone, and that's fine. 
But yeah, that, that first draft class was not a good one. Leonard Williams, that's it. Jarvis Harrison didn't make it past year one. Or didn't, you know, didn't, he made it through year one, didn't make it to year two. Of course, there were some injuries. You know, you had Evan Smith in the second round out of Ohio State. Look, he got in, he didn't, he didn't have a major injury history in college. So I, I don't hold that against him. Listen, I didn't like John Itzik. I hated John Itzik. But I didn't, I didn't blast him for the D. Milliner injuries. Because, yeah, yeah, Milliner was dinged up in college. He had little nicks and scrapes here and there. But he never missed a game. So I didn't kill for that. Lorenzo Malden turned out just wasn't very good. Bryce Petty wasn't very good. Talked about Jarvis Harrison. So, yeah, look, that first class was a bust. Leo's fine. Devin Smith hurt. Lorenzo Malden, not good enough. Bryce Petty, not good enough. Jarvis Harrison, not good enough. Deion Simon, not good enough. And if I'm not mistaken, he's the only one who's still in the league and he's on a practice squad. Okay, let's be honest. For Mike McAgnan, that that draft was was a big strikeout. Then you go to his second class, which, again, I, I discussed with Alex. And you got Darren Lee, who's playing damn good football right now. Christian Hackenberg, probably the second worst pick in the history of the franchise behind Vernon Golston. You got Jordan Jenkins. He's a good player. He's not great, but he's good. Justin Burris, who we knew we'd been saying for weeks he was going to get cut. He got cut this week. They brought him back on the practice squad. Really don't know why. I don't know if that's just a little bit of trying to save face for McAgnon. Just to say, hey, one of my guys is still around, kind of. Um, he, he just, Burris hasn't been good. And that's a shame. I was a big fan of his coming out. Big fan of his after talking with the Combine. Um, talked about him at length during training camp. He didn't develop. Brandon Shell, good player. Not a great player. Good player. Fifth round pick. Lack Edwards, as we said. One of the better punters in the league right now. Sixth, I believe. Sixth in the NFL and punt on average and net uh, net yards per punt. Sharon Peak, not much as a receiver, but one of your best gunners on specials. Expendable, yeah, but look, he's in the league. He's contributing. He's doing something positive. Uh, when you're getting out of a out of a seventh rounder, you're doing all right. I I'd, I'd really love to see him get a little bit more involved in the passing game. I know he had the big drop a couple weeks ago that ended with the interception. Um, one catch this week. I'd like to see him get involved a little bit more, but we'll see. But then you go to McCagnon's next class, and this is the one that really hurts him. This is the one that hurts him quite a bit. Jamal Adams at one. That's fine. Could have been a quarterback. Could have been Patrick Mahomes, could have been Deshaun Watson, but it was Jamal Adams, who who looks to be a guy who is going to be a, a game-changing player. And he's made, you know, between sacks, interceptions, I looked at the numbers earlier today, He's already he's got six passes defended this year. He had six all of last year. He's got nine quarterback pressures. He's got a sack, a couple of forced fumbles, interception. Um, I want to say he's got nine... No, six, sorry, six tackles for loss. So he's hitting guys in the backfield. He's pressuring the quarterback. He, he's, he's got a couple forced fumbles. So Jamal Adams is, is making the, the, the game-changing plays that you want to see from a guy. Marcus May, now look, the injury bug has been an issue. But when he's been on the, on the field this year, the defense has been much better. But then you have the two killers here. Are Darius Stewart, Chad Hansen. Back-to-back receivers. I didn't. Now, I'm not going to do the revisionist history thing. Um, at the time, I wanted corners, at least one corner in that spot. 
There were so many good corners in that draft. Got the whole, you know, and I wrote an article at the time saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna draft the quarterback in 2018, which I knew they were, I said I like the idea of drafting some guys in 2017, some receivers, so that they have a year under their belt and they're they're a little bit ahead of the curve when the quarterback gets here. I'll have a couple guys who have some experience, but that didn't work out so well, did it? Stewart gone, Hanson gone, your third and fourth rounder. But the funny part of this is. For those who criticize Mike McCagnan, and I get, I understand it. Those were bad picks, but at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks of the fans who, through the years, have said, you know, that I so often hear people say, "Why are we holding on to these bad picks just for the sake of holding on to them? Why doesn't the GM just, you know, be a man about it, admit he's wrong, and cut these players and move on and replace them with better players?" And I don't disagree with that. And for years, we heard that. And then as soon as the GM does it, everyone's like, oh, look, he cut a guy after one year. He sucks. Well, what, what is it? What do you want? You want dead weight on the roster? Or do you want the GM to make a mistake early on and move on? I like that he moved on. I think it sucks that the picks were no good, obviously. Like I said, that third rounder, Ardarius Stewart, to me, that should have been a corner. There were so many of them in that draft. But Stewart and Hanson gone. Leggett's still around. It's essentially a rookie year for him. He didn't play last year. I think he appeared in one game on specials, and then he went to IR. So, leg and, and you know, I said it last week, he's he's only got a few catches, but he's made a couple of impressive grabs. Dylan Donahue, gone. Bunch of DUIs. Two DUIs. Head-on collision in the Lincoln Tunnel. That's probably a big reason why he's not on the roster. Elijah McGuire, we get him back this week. And I'll tell you what, for my money... You look at the way Isaiah Crowell's playing right now, I'd start Elijah McGuire. Why not? Let's see what the kids got. They, and I say that with the caveat, um, and I've said this a few times, we probably won't see much out of him or any running back because this offensive line, their run blocking right now is atrocious. So he's probably not going to have a lot of room to work with. But as an outlet receiver to Sam Darnold, Elijah McGuire, to me, and I said this last year, some people told me I was crazy, might have better hands than Bilal Powell, who's gone. De- he's definitely got better hands than Crowell. Go ahead and give him some run. Jeremy Clark has been converted to safety. He played a little safety in college. He played safety and corner at Michigan. And I saw Manish made a tweet out recently that his understanding is Clark has been working at safety in practice. And then, of course, Derek Jones, who mind-bogglingly had, a, had himself a really nice training camp. And it's just in every week, even with all the injuries the Jets have at corner. They have a lot of injuries at corner. Um, but Derek Jones inactive every week. But they have a lot of corners on the roster, to be fair. This team has eight. I think they have eight corners right now. That's crazy. So that, that that's uh, that's Mike McCagden. And then into the season, of course, you know, Darnold, Shepard, Herndon, Nickerson, Fadakasi, Cannon. Darnold, no need to talk about him. We We know what we've seen. We know where he's headed. Shepard's been playing better of late. Still haven't seen any impact plays out of him. Herndon looks like they finally have a tight end. Damn good pick. Parry Nickerson just getting his feet wet. Had some significant reps for a few weeks while Buster Screen was out. Did more bad than good, but still, again, for a sixth-rounder, a small school guy, didn't expect a ton early on. Fadakasi hasn't been active yet. Cannon has made some plays of late, especially in the passing game. So 
Mike McCagnin's draft, looking at it fairly, first draft, complete bust. Second draft, not bad. Lee, Jenkins, Shell, Edwards. That's four regular players. Well, three regulars and a special teamer. That's not a bad draft. Uh, last year's draft, Jamal Adams, stellar. Marcus May, health is a question. Leggett's still around, making a couple of plays. He, again, he's, he's got to get more targets. McGuire, we should see more out of him. And then the two DBs, Clark and Jones. If, 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 let's say Jordan Leggett hangs around at the backup tight end for a few years, McGuire's a second string running back for, you know, let's say he becomes the next Bilal Powell. Let's say, he, let's say he's around for, you know, six, seven, eight years as a backup. And either Clark or Jones is decent and has a, has a nice career. Again, even backup spot starter type, Daryl Roberts type. That's not a terrible draft. That's five guys who stick and play. And again, assuming they, they play, you know, average to above average. I'm not saying, yeah, it's fantastic if Jordan Leggett sticks around and sucks for five years. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if even two of those guys between Leggett, McGuire, Clark Jones, if, if one of those guys becomes a starter and one of them is a regular backup, that's three starters and a backup out of a draft class. Not great, not terrible. And then this year's class, Donald's your starter for long for the long term. Even if he's not getting it done, Sam Donald is getting, you know, he, he's getting his entire rookie contract to show whether whether or not he can play. But I think we we can all agree he can play. Shepard's a question mark. Herndon is showing early and often he can play. And the other three guys, we'll call them question marks right now. Because it's, it's they're into their career. I mean, it's one thing to, to, to try to rate a class after a year or two. Even that's too early. But eight games, I mean, come on. Give me a break. So, yeah, the drafts haven't been great. There have been some big misses. Every team has their misses, though. I say that all the time. People seem, you know, I, I think people get these. Pe- people sometimes are harder on their own team than, than any other team. And people talk about Mike McCagnin in a way that you would assume that general managers hit on 80% of their picks and that Mike McCagnin is the exception. It's just not the case. GMs, I, I heard, who was it recently? I want to say someone, they were talking about Gil Brandt, who works with uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio now, legendary GM, and his uh, his number was 54%. He said, you're doing all right if you're hitting on 54% of your picks. Now, Mike McCagnin is below that threshold right now because of the fact that his first, what, his first six picks, five of them are gone. So he's one out of six in his first draft. But then he's three out of seven, four if you want to count Lack Edwards. Three out of seven, four out of seven in the second draft. Adams May, possibly McGuire. Again, it's too early to get into these guys. It's, I'm not going it, to – it's too early. But, but my point is that Mike McCagnin is running out of guys who could maybe become something because <laughs> these guys are – Justin Burris – He's gone. He's done. That's it. We know he's not going to be a player. Our Darius Stewart is gone. Chad Hansen is gone. Dylan Donahue is gone. That's too many guys to be letting go. To you know, to hope that they can become something. So that that that's where I'm at. Me personally, is that Todd Bowles should go after this season. Mike McCagnin should go the following season, if his if his picks don't 
don't show up in a big way. Okay, now if now if if we're sitting here a year from now, let's say exactly one year from now, we're sitting here week eight of the 2019 season, and Jamal Adams has taken another step forward, and he's looking like one of the best players in the NFL, and Marcus May is is healthy and playing the way he's played, and Jordan Leggett is a regular contributor, and Elijah McGuire is splitting carries with somebody and doing a great job catching the ball out of the backfield and picking up the blitz because he does do that well. And then Derek Jones is, is getting some reps and, and playing quality play. Then then that's two consecutive draft classes where, where you're getting multiple quality starters and a good backup or two. And then, of course, there'll be Donald. How's he progressing? What's Shepard doing? What's Herndon doing? Does Nickerson take over in the slot like so many assume he's going to do for Buster Screen? And is he doing well? Fadukasi, I think, is the guy they drafted to take over from McClendon when he leaves. The guy's strong as an ox. Fadukasi. What you know, what's Trenton Cannon doing? Do they keep Cannon and McGuire? It's again, like I said, with a lot of these guys too early to say. But because because of Darnold, because of Herndon, because of Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Darren Lee, Jordan Jenkins, Brandon Shell, Leo, th- those are those are Mike McCagney's best picks right now. But he's got some definite misses, and he's got four, five, six guys that I think could tip the scale one way or the other. If Leggett, McGuire, Clark, if all these guys stink. If they're all gone next year, then Mike McCagnin's, unless Sam Darnold is a, a pro bowler next year, if all those guys are gone and, you, and you're looking at the, you're hitting on about 30% of your picks, you, you sure as hell better, you better spend that $100 million in cap space and buy yourself a, a roster that has you steaming toward the playoffs or you need to be gone. And that, that's where I'm at with Mike McCagnin. To me right now, He's a year behind Todd Bowles. You dump Todd Bowles after the season, Mike McCagnin's on notice that his picks better start doing something. They better start making their presence known or they're going to be gone or he's going to be gone. And speaking of his picks, because a couple of them make our list, we're going to talk now about this team and, you know, bad in every season, no matter how well you're playing, no matter how high of a level a team is performing at, there's always going to be, you know, some things that aren't going the way you'd like and some things that are going better than you expected. So we're going to talk now about, uh, what do you want to call it, studs and duds. I just just said uh, surprise performers and disappointments through the first eight games of the season. So we're going to touch on some of these things real quick. Five guys, or position groups, who have played better, than people expected, and uh, five who have been a bit of a letdown so far. So, starting right off the top, um, and you know you've heard me say this a million times before, so I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get uh, go at length here. To me, the the not so much a surprise to me personally, but I know to uh, to a lot of fans has been the uh, the pass protection this season. It hasn't been great, but 
when you look at the num when you when you watch the film and watch it in an unemotional way, um, and you don't freak out every time Sam Darnold has to move off his spot, and you look at the numbers, whether it's NFL Next Gen stats that says Sam Darnold is top ten in the NFL and amount of time to throw from snap to throw, or whether you look at pro football focus that ranks their offensive line pass block efficiency as 11th in the NFL. Um, this O-line has been very good. Well, I w- let's just say good. They've been a good pass blocking group. Uh, now, not that that's anything to write home about because the goal should definitely to be better than just good. But the, the thing here is that so many people told me this line was going to be Terrible, the worst, Darnold's going to get killed, blah, blah, blah. We've gone over this a million times. Bottom line right now, the film says it. Next-gen stats numbers say it. Pro Football Focus says it. Everyone, with the exception of some hysterical fans who refuse to acknowledge it, uh, the pass blocking has been solid. And that's that's all you can ask for, at least in terms of with, with the talent this group has, has put has, um, that Mike McCagman's put together. He's put together a group that can pass block a little bit. He can't run block very well. That's been an issue. And I will say, um, top grade for per pro football focus, Calvin Beecham, 82.5 pass blocker. Really nice job. Uh, but the, let's face it, the run blocking's been terrible. There's no getting around it. Spencer Long's been a terrible pass blocker, which is a surprise because he's he was much better in Washington. But top surprise to me, and well, not to me personally, but for based on what what observers, fans, media, onlookers were expecting, uh, the pass blocking has been solid. Uh, number two, not because we didn't talk about him in camp, because we talked about him at length, uh, because he was extremely impressive in training camp, and I thought that uh, I thought he would emerge as the number one guy. I know a few people said that they thought that Neil Sterling was going to be the guy. I think they were probably a lot of that was based on the fact that Chris Herndon got hurt at one point and Neil Sterling's name was the one that kept popping up in the paper. Um, and I just kind of said, eh, he might at some point, but uh, I think that, I think, I think that when all said and done, Herndon emerges as a starter. Now he is, as we said, just a few inches away from having four touchdowns in three games. So he has done an absolutely fantastic job as a receiver, as a, a safety valve for Sam Darnold, and they need to get him more involved moving forward. The number three guy, and this is based on how he played previously up to this year, Darren Lee. Pleasant surprise. Listen, um, I'm, I stopped short of calling him a bust, but I, I barely stopped short. I kind of was 95% there, kind of looking at him and saying, all right, that, you know, it's it's been two years of not very good football out of this guy. Year three is huge for him, um, and he's not he's been fantastic, and I'm I'm glad he has. They needed him. This guy Darren Lee was brought in to cover, you know, rush off the edge from time to time, but needed a guy in the middle to help stop opposing tight ends and running backs in the passing game, and Darren Lee has been fantastic this year. So. Tip of the cap to him. He really turned it around. And that that brings me to the next guy. And again, kind of the same thing. Expected to help shut down tight ends, Jamal Adams. 
Now, it's no surprise that Jamal Adams is a very good football player. He was the sixth overall pick, and he did some good things last year. But some of those good things, not a lot of good things happened in coverage. Jamal Adams really struggled in coverage last year. He allowed 63% completion and gave up six touchdowns. So far this year, at the halfway mark, 56% completion, no touchdowns. And I mentioned this earlier, he's already tied his rookie total with six passes defended. He's got six tackles for loss. I may have said five earlier. He's got a couple forced fumbles, interception, and nine quarterback pressures. But the big surprise, the, the big development is, is the, the improved pass coverage. So good for him. And then last, we're going to go with Sam Darnold. Because Sam Darnold, although he's, you know, the stat line doesn't look great at 11 touchdowns, 10 picks. We know he's thrown a ton of balls. We actually looked that up earlier today. He's thrown away 16 passes. You know, whether it's nobody open, too much pressure. Um, he's thrown the ball away 16 times. He's, I believe he's top 10 in uh, in drop percentage. So he's had a lot of drops, a lot of throwaways, which of course is going to hurt your your completion percentage. But he, he looked like he was coming along really nicely. Uh, then, of course, Robbie Anderson, Quincy New will get hurt. And that, uh, that, that derails him a little bit. But seeing how he performs over these final eight games, if they could hopefully get some healthy receivers out there, uh, it would be really nice to see him kind of turn a corner and, and play much better in the second half, second half of the season. So we'll see how that goes. And now, moving on to some of the disappointments. Top of the list for me personally, Spencer Long. I mentioned him earlier. Um, and really, it, it, I should say, it's a, it's a tie for the biggest disappointment to me. Spencer Long came in from the Redskins, one of the better pass-blocking centers in the NFL. That has not been the case at all this season. He's been a liability in pass coverage. We've you know, well-documented the fact that he has struggled mightily in snapping the ball out of the shotgun, but we also know he's been dealing with a hand injury. Uh, we don't know how serious that injury is, but I would imagine the fact that it hasn't been the fact that snapping out of the shotgun has not been an issue for him in the past, but has been this year kind of gives you the impression, whatever that hand injury is, it's contributing to that. However, the pass blocking has got to get better. Jonathan Harrison stepped in this week and played, didn't play great, but we didn't see any errant shotgun snaps. Not that I can recall anyway. And uh, really as bad as Spencer Long has been, Harrison wasn't any worse. So for me, I say bench Spencer Long for a couple weeks plus the buy. That way you're giving him a month to heal up and get whatever is wrong with him right. And if he can step in and play the way he did in Washington, the line is much that much better for it. If he doesn't, he's gone after this year. We've talked about that. They structured his deal in a way that he can be let go with no cap hit at all after this season. All guaranteed money is being paid this season. Second biggest disappointment, or the, the tied for first in biggest disappointment, Tremaine Johnson, free agent corner from the Rams, Franchise tagged twice by that organization, viewed as one of the top cover corners in the NFL, statistically the best press corners in the NFL, and he's, he's, he's been pretty disastrous thus far, and I got to tell you, you know, I, I hope, I really hope that this is, you know, he's left a couple games with injuries, and of course... Now he's got uh, now he's got the, the quad injury. Hopefully this is all 
injury related. Um, it would be a bad thing because he's an older guy. So you, you hope he's not going to be one of these guys that starts getting the injury bug late in his career or middle of his career. Better with the money he's getting paid. If he comes back, let's say he, let's say they give him a few more weeks. Let's say they rest him till the bye. Then he'll have had like six weeks off. If he comes back and looks the same way he did early on, the Jets are going to be looking at that uh, looking at that payroll and thinking this is our highest paid guy, and he's a liability. That he's got to get that cleaned up. So another big disappointment is tight end Eric Tomlinson, and I think I may have said this previously, but if the Jets were a more conventional team and we weren't seeing so many three tight end sets out of them, I think Eric Tomlinson might be gone because Chris Herndon, at least to this point in the year, has been a better blocker than Eric Tomlinson. Now, Jordan Leggett has looked, he hasn't looked bad as a run blocker, but as a pass blocker, he leaves a bit to be desired. But Tomlinson is just—he's not looked as good as he did last year. He's—he's he's been beaten quite a few times, and is a big reason why the running game hasn't been working. So Eric Tomlinson—I mean—he's here to block, and he's not blocking. And there are there are a lot of people calling for him to be let go. And I can't say it would be the worst idea in the world. And as I've said before, it, he's playing so poorly. I, they might be better off letting him go, use that roster spot elsewhere. And just even if it tips your hand, send Brent Qualley out there as an extra blocker um, when you're looking to run the ball because it, Tomlinson has not been good. Number four out of five, cornerback Buster Screen. And I know a lot of fans are down on him. Fans have been down on him for years. But as I said a few times this offseason, um, and if you look at uh, if you go back and watch film from last year, year with Denard Wilson in his first season as the Jets defensive backs coach, Buster Screen didn't look as bad as he had in, in past seasons. Uh, you know, he wasn't a superstar, but he had some damn good games where you kind of looked at it and went, oh, okay, is this a Denard Wilson thing where you have a veteran who's now playing better than he ever has? Because he, he, the Buster Screen had some career games last year. He had some bad ones, but you thought, all right, it's year one under Denard Wilson. Let's see what happens in year two with Denard Wilson. Does he take another step forward and become a, you know, an even better player. That has not happened. Buster Screen has been a liability in coverage. He's done far more bad, you know, far more negative than positive. And that's been, a, you know, he's gone after this season. And that'll be nice to see. Because as much as he's, I mean, the guy plays hard. He plays his ass off. He'll stick his face in the fan. He's great in run support. He's excellent when he blitzes out of the nickel. Um, or just comes off the edge. But in coverage, you're a corner. you got to be able to cover. And that hasn't been the uh, the case with Buster Screen. So, big disappointment there that he didn't take that next step with uh, in year two with Denard Wilson. And last but not least, and this was a tough one, and I'm not, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not writing the guy off. I'm not saying he's a bust. I'm not saying it was a bad pick. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm just saying that for being a third-round pick who's getting as much playing time as he is, I think myself and most Jet fans had hoped to see more out of Nathan Shepard. And as I said earlier in the show, he is playing better. I think he could be getting close to a breakout performance. I think maybe, you know, maybe this week, maybe against Buffalo. But I think at some point we're going to see him get a couple of big hits on a quarterback, maybe some TFLs, a couple of sack or two. 
I think I think he's close. So this isn't saying he's had a bad year and he's going to keep having a bad year. All I'm saying is, is that in terms of being a disappointment, could have been better, could have done more up to this point. He hasn't, but that doesn't mean I'm saying he won't. Um, so don't tweet me and say, oh, you're one of these idiots that writes a guy off after seven or eight games. Not at all. Um, just a little bit. If, if you would have told me, especially after what we saw of him in camp, if you would have said to me, Nathan Shepard is going to play 30, 40, 50% of the snaps through the first eight weeks, what's he going to do? I would have said two or three sacks. You know, I would have I would have thought a little bit more pressure. But um, that hasn't happened. So Nathan Shepard rounds it out. And again, I'm not ripping the guy, but uh, I think he's got to get better. And I think he will. I really do. I think he will be uh, he will find his way onto the studs list in the not too distant future. Now, another side note, uh, we kind of and I mentioned this last week. Said it at the time. Five minutes after they released him, I wrote the article saying it. Wide receiver Terrell Pryor has signed a free agent deal with the Buffalo Bills. Terrell Pryor, whom the Jets released a couple of weeks ago, and the reason they gave was that he was injured and that they needed the roster spot, and they might bring him back once he was healthy. I said at the time that it was baloney. The only the only reason... I entertained the possibility just maybe the Jets were being sincere. And I think last week I credited the wrong writer. I think I said it was Brian Costello. It was actually Dennis Wozak of the Associated Press, um, who we've had on this show. Dennis does a great job. And it's possible they both tweeted it. I, I, I can't recall. But Dennis Wozak made the point that up until a few days ago, or, yeah, Friday, I think, when we did the last show, Terrell was still intact. So that was that was the only thing that gave me pause because everything about this situation was telling me this isn't football related. They are not bringing him back. They are not being honest with the media, which I understand. I'm not saying they should, you know, if something happened behind the scenes and they want to keep it behind the scenes, that's fine. I'm not, I don't begrudge the Jets for that. But I, I just knew, I said, this is, you do not cut a starting caliber wide receiver when you have all these other guys hurt who will probably who will probably be hurt on a more long term basis than prior while prior is starting to produce with your rookie quarterback. Nothing, 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 nothing about that decision made sense from a football standpoint. Which is why I said I think this is something other than football. Something is going on there's some reason why Terrell Pryor was released. The Jets said we might bring him back in a couple weeks. Then they said last week we might bring him back next week, meaning this week. Terrell Pryor went and visited the Buffalo Bills. And while he was visiting the Buffalo Bills, or after visiting the Buffalo Bills, had his agent the, you know, release the news, leak the news, that he had been offered a contract by the Bills and was mulling it over. I mean, if that's not if the Jets didn't bring him back then, like not only are you saying you think this guy's good enough to play for you and you'll play him when he's healthy, he is now sending out Twitter videos of himself practicing. He is visiting teams or a team 
he has a contract offer from a team in your division, and he tells them, let me sleep on it. And let me sleep on it meant, I don't want to be in Buffalo. Let me leak this to see if anybody else will make me an offer. Because you guys have no whole line. You're one of the worst teams in the NFL, and you're in Buffalo. So Terrell Pryor wanted to go either back to the Jets or anyone else that would make him an offer. The Jets didn't make him an offer. They were happy to let him go. They were happy to let a healthy Terrell Pryor go to a division rival. This was not a football decision. Not at all. But he's gone. Rashard Matthews is in. We'll see what he does in the coming weeks, if anything. And hopefully this week, when the Jets get ready to take on the Dolphins, hopefully they manage to find a way to uh, to steal a victory. And let's face it, you're now facing a team that, you know, it, it sounds like Ryan Tannehill is might be done there. He's had he has some arm issues where head coach Adam Gase is saying that there are some concerns about his velocity, his ability to throw the ball the way he had previously. And so now you get Brock Osweiler at quarterback. Now I know I mentioned Nathan Peterman earlier. Osweiler is not quite Nathan Peterman territory, but he's not good either. So I mean, that's a golden opportunity for the Jets to steal a win against Brock Osweiler. And and by the way, their starting center, the Miami Dolphins starting, they're starting in backup center. Their starter is Travis Swanson, who was in camp with the Jets this offseason or this preseason. And I said, I said when they signed him that if he made the roster, that was a bad sign because he's not a good player. I said that he wasn't much better than Wesley Johnson, who, by the way, it's a backup with the Dolphins. So they have Wesley Johnson and Travis Swanson. If if Steve McClendon and Leonard Williams can't take advantage of that and run some, you know, you run some stunts with Leo and you have McClendon, you know, man up or Mike. If you can't get some push up the middle with 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 Travis Swanson at center, then that's that's a concern. That's really a, a legitimate concern. Uh, another former Jet, Jesse Davis. Uh, most people don't realize he was a Jet. He never really played, but he was a practice squad guy. Was on the roster for a little bit, I think. Um, he, he's he's not playing very well for the Dolphins right now either. He's struggling up front. So there are some vulnerabilities there. Uh, Larry Tunzel looks to be playing. I uh, watched a couple of games earlier, and he, he looked like a much better player than he did the year before. Um, I actually remember last year, Dylan Donahue almost steamrolled him, and he wasn't looking like a like he was going to work out as that, that high first-round pick. But now Tunzel, he looks to be coming around. So look for those matchups up front. Look for, look for McClendon, Leo, Henry Anderson going against these guys like Tunzel, Swanson, Davis. Swanson and Davis can be beat, and Brock Osweiler's not very good. So if you can if you can get in his face by coming up the middle, get him to panic a little bit, maybe throw some balls away, you could be in good shape. But the negative here, the, the, the thing you have to look out for, we'll see how this goes. But if you remember that first matchup, Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake beat the crap out of the Jets' defensive line. I mean, they, they were all over them. 
That was that was a long, long day for the Jets O line. James Carpenter in particular, he had a really hard time that day. And as a matter of fact, I just pulled up the numbers right now because I remembered Quinn had a sack in that game. And if I'm reading this right, that's his only sack of the year. And as a matter of fact, that is I'm um, just pulled him up on PFF. That is far and away Robert Quinn's best game of the year came against the Jets. Earned a pass rush grade of 80.6. Even though his number on the season is 68.3. So pro football focus is telling, I mean, we knew Quinn had a good day. We didn't need PFF to tell us that. PFF is saying that is his best effort of the season. So while the numbers aren't big, you have to be, you have to be leery because he had, he had a great deal of success against the Jets the last time around. So keep an eye on Robert Quinn. Uh, in terms of DBs, Xavier Howard, he's a guy that uh, I hate to say it, but he was he was one of my favorite corners coming out in that draft. I think he's going to be a good player. He had a pick last time around. He was the one I think it was against Pryor, actually, when Pryor quit on that route. Xavier Howard snuck in there and got the interception. That was a big turnover. Minka Fitzpatrick, good up-and-coming safety. He'll probably draw Chris Herndon a little bit, so that could be a good matchup if the Jets do look to get Herndon a bit more involved. So keep an eye on that matchup. Kiko Alonso, that guy, I'll tell you, if you can get him in coverage, I would, you know, if, if you're the Jets and you can get Kiko Alonso lined up on Elijah Maguire at some point, I would say take advantage of that because that's, that's not an area where, uh, where, where he does very well. So I would be more than happy to see them try to expose that matchup, that one-on-one matchup. So going into this game, I believe I did pick against the Jets last week. I'm gonna we're gonna do a quick prediction and then we'll wrap things up. And I'm gonna say going into Miami, the you know the receivers are such a big question mark. If uh, if we knew that Robbie or Enunwa would be back, it might change things. But at the same time, I feel like this defense against Brock Osweiler will do a nice job. I mean, this is probably a good chance for them to to win a football game. They can shut Osweiler down. And if they could please, if the Jets could find a way to, to shut down the screen game and, and not allow big plays there, I think they have an opportunity to win this game. So I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick the Jets in this one, but in a low-scoring, close game. I'm going to say 17-14 Jets. And I'm going to say they do a lot of it by getting the tight ends involved. I feel like I've said that three weeks in a row. But let's see more targets for Herndon and Leggett. If if Jermaine Curse is getting doubled, and I mean, of course, Rashard Matthews is a fa- is, is, is an X factor. I mean, if, if he's been doing enough work in practice to where they're comfortable with him and he comes out and gets himself six or seven targets, that changes things. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume that there's not enough chemistry there to do a whole lot this early on and that again, Jermaine Kersey, some more doubles. So focus on the tight ends, hit the running backs out of the backfield, uh, make some things happen and, and get creative. Let's, let's open it enough with the, with the, with the quick one read, you know, the, the, the screen passes, the quick, the quick slants, the quick hitters over the middle. I understand they have to be a part of the offense, but let's say I'm throw it down the field a little bit. 
I, you know, I mentioned him earlier, Sharon Peak. I know he's not. He hasn't done enough in this league to say what he is yet. Or you could even say he's not a very good receiver. But you know what? Right now, the Jets don't have many good receivers. So you have one guy who's, you know, Sharon Peak is 6'3", 6'4", and he runs a 4'4", sub 4'4", 40. If you get him one-on-one with somebody, just throw him a deep ball. See if he can make a play. Give him a shot. Give your offense a chance to make a play. Give him a little bit of momentum. Let's see it. Let's open it up a little bit. So will they? I doubt it. Even if they don't, I think they can do enough to win this one. So again, 17-14 Jets on the road. Forced a couple turnovers out of Brock Osweiler, and I think that'll be the difference. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. As usual, it is much appreciated. Actually, looks like our audience downloads, listenership, whatever you want to call it, we're up uh, about 10% from this time last year, which is nice. We appreciate that uh, more than you know. It's uh, next week. Have a great night.